Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. And I have another episode with two other Conquer the Gauntlet Pros. Joining me as my co-host today, I have Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Jay Flores from Exotlon. And taking the year off from OCR to do that TV show last year, but he's coming back this year as soon as OCR season actually picks up again. So Jay, welcome back. Thanks, man. Excited to be back. Yeah, and if you missed the episodes with Jay... Uh, you can go back and listen to I think we've been had on the show twice before, once talking about Telemundo show, Exotlon, which you were on for, again, remind our listeners of how many weeks and how many episodes there. Yeah, so I was on um, for three months, and it was six days a week, live, or not live, but um, six days a week on prime time. And then, uh, but in total, I was there for like four months because there was some time later before the show and after the show. So I'm going to go ahead and make the statement that you are the most televised OCR athlete besides Mac Roche. And I think that's accurate because, yeah, because the amount just from that one show, the amount of times that aired and how much like time, time it was on TV. I think that's uh that puts you and Mac at one and two. And then Mac's been on, you know, broken skull and he's been on Ninja warrior. Yeah. Yeah, I think and now I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware Isaiah Vidal is on this season. Oh, is he really? Uh, so he'll be up there. Um, but yeah, so I had the Exatlon, and then I was on the Battle Frog show as well on ESPN. So, but Max probably got me more because of the, um, you know, he's been on a couple other shows too. So between us three, though, we're probably the most televised uh, OCR athletes for yeah. sure. Cool. Jay also won Master of the Rig competition at OCR World Championships 2017, which was a platinum rig, essentially only race and. They held it at night and ended up being in the rain, which is pretty cool. So you can head back and listen to that episode we did uh, about two years ago. Before we bring on our guests, quick word from our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Rapid Reboot. Rapid Reboot are the compression leggings. So those essentially pants you sit in and then it hooks up to like a little machine there and it inflates and deflates by zones, circulating your blood. Super awesome recovery tool. I think it's the best recovery tool you can buy hands down because it I mean, it literally goes on in seconds and then you can take a nap with it on if you want, or you can relax or watch TV or read to your kids. You can literally do whatever. And I used it every night of OCR America 2 to help my speed my recovery. So I was ready to go again the next day. I know Jay's been using it too. Jay, what are your thoughts on Rapid Reboot? Definitely. I'd agree with you in terms of favorite uh, recovery tool. And I've got a bunch of different types from those like massage guns to traditional foam rolling, you know, et cetera. I've tried a whole bunch of different things and it's by far my favorite, um, not only because it gives you that uh, compression recovery, but also just like you mentioned, you, you can sit there. I've done work while I've done it. I've watched the Packer game while I've um, been recovering um and they're very generous with the team this year and i was able to get the the full kit so the not only the boots that you're talking about but also the arm attachments and the hip attachments so oh um, nice i haven't used those how are those yeah so the the hip attachment feels really good i still haven't used the arm i, I still need to 
to get that one on. Um, but overall, it's just really good to get different zones that sometimes we neglect to take care of. <laughs> and I was actually talking to Ashton about this the other day because we both had on and off kind of nagging injuries. And sometimes we do so much as OCR athletes that we forget how much we're actually doing to our bodies. You almost get used to it and you need to really think back about recovery and taking the the proper methods to make sure that your uh, body gets back to where it needs to be. So this is one thing that's helped me because I enjoy it and I can still do certain other things while um, I'm recovering. Yeah, hundred percent agree. It's, it's just so convenient and so fast and so easy. Absolutely love it. And I, I find, I know myself, I find that I, given a choice between like, oh, am I going to go for some stretching and post-race, like post-run recovery jog? Or do I just get back to what I was doing or run another mile? And I will typically do not go to the, you know, stretching post, post-run or anything like that. So I, I like this because it gives me an easy way to actually do recovery. And if it's easy, it means I'll do it more often. Exactly. And it's almost, it's like relaxing too. I, I don't know what it is about. It's almost like getting massaged. You can just lay there and, and get the recovery. So I actually really look forward to it versus not always looking forward to stretching or foam rolling or other things. You still do some of those things, but um, this is definitely one of the most effective forms of recovery for me and the one that I look forward to the most. Yeah. All right, let's get into the episode. So joining us, we have Ashton Abraham one of the newer athletes from the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team. We added him mid-season last year. So, Ashton, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Ashton, give you a little bit of background on him, and then we'll jump into the questions. So, he's from uh, North Miami Beach, Florida. Specializes in short course OCR. has been racing since 2014. In 2018, he was the North American OCR Championship, first place in his age group champion in the 15K and the 3K, which is Awesome. In 2018 season, he also had 10 OCR races with 10 podiums, seven first, one second, and two thirds. Again, very impressive. Last year, he got first place at CTG OKC and Little Rock, as long as well as a first place Florida Savage Race Blitz, and second place uh, Spartan Sprint in Boca 2019. Yeah. Yep. So another than that, he's been helping grow the OCR community with Jay Flores in Florida. So Ashim, again, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So let's jump back a little bit and like, tell us a little bit about you. Cause honestly, I did not know you at all until Jay's like, Hey, you got to get this guy. This guy's got to be on our team. He's so good. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, well, you know, let's see him come out to a race and do a conquer the gauntlet. And you showed up and not surprisingly, you won the two you showed up to um, last year or two of the ones you showed up to last year. So Tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. You play sports in high school and kind of what brought you into OCR? Yeah, so um, a little bit about me, my background. I was always big into sports since I was little. My favorite two were soccer and basketball. In high school, I kind of played club sports. The high school I went to was a relatively bigger high school in um, Oklahoma. It's 6A, so it's like one of the biggest ones they have. I had I was playing on their football team in high school and I had left to so I was never like a runner or anything growing up it was it was always sports related that's where I got my running from I went on vacation for a summer we had a switch in new head coaches for football so I came back and they didn't know me and they kind of had already given my spot to another guy 
and that's kind of how I got into track my senior year. So I was kind of like, you know what, I'll go play another sport. And I was able to run track. I was a mid-distance guy. I hated cross country. I hated the longer events. So I ran the 800 and down. Those were my events. And then after that, I kind of stopped. I went to college for a couple of years, didn't do too much. I ended up transferring to a college in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City University, which is an NAIA school. And there I was able to um, get on their track and cross country team. And the only way I was able to do both is the scholarship that was given to me was uh, stipulated that I had to do track and I had to do cross country. So that's when I kind of got my running background and ran for two years there. And then I kind of got a little phased out of running and I was looking for something different. And that's when I found my first CTG in Tulsa, actually, that I ran. And I was nice. like, all right, this is something that I, I, I like and that I can see myself doing. So jumping back a little, when you transitioned from short, like super short distance, like 800 meter, mm-hmm. you know, what I think super short distance, not the, the, <laughs> yeah. the track person, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I've heard 800 meters like one of the worst events, period, because it's right at that point where like you have to go all out the whole yeah. time. Um, but, you know, you, so there's like, you basically just redline the entire time versus Correct. anything beyond that, you can actually, you actually pace it a little bit. So you're not yeah. redlining. So how did you make the jump from like that to cross country? Because I know, you know, I, I've got some friends that I've met through OCR who are former track guys and they're some of them were having some trouble like transitioning into quote unquote longer distances like 5k. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I made the transition grudgingly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was just getting out there and I started slower. So I started, you know, with like a mile, I would go out and do an easy mile and I just slowly worked my way up to, I knew in college that our races were 8K, 8K races for the school. So I kind of worked my, up to, my way up to where I could do about six miles straight. That's kind of where I got my base because I had the summer off before like the track season started. And that's when I had to actually try out for the team. So that's how I kind of had three months to slowly, gradually just get my mileage up. What was your mileage when you were training specifically for the 800 versus training for something like the 8k cross-country races oh my i mean it's not i mean it's so little it's not even really comparable like my longest run would be once a week and i would maybe do like two miles oh wow so like yeah i was i was like i was a 800 and a 400 guy so my my mileage was really low it consisted of mainly sprints and like i would do I didn't even really like to do the mile repeats that we would do and like some of the long, some of the longest ones we would do because you'd have to train for that mid distance you needed like to at least have that endurance because you're redlining for half a mile. So like I would usually stop and when I hit like three like, like the third mile I was like done like. That's funny. I'm curious, uh, Ashton, as to like any advice you'd have for someone who let's say maybe they're newer to OCR and they maybe did CrossFit or some other sport where they might have some obstacle strength, but they really haven't gotten the running part down. Like, what do you encourage them to like, 
do as you're building up that mileage. Cause I remember when I started track, I just would sprint two miles. <laughs> I mean, I just sprint, but like that was how I started. I was just like run two miles as fast as I can. And then the next day I would try to beat that time, which is definitely not a good way to get into right. it. Um, but like for someone who might just begin started out in the sport or is just trying to increase their mileage in general because they enjoy obstacles, but they want to get more competitive now. And they know that the running is such a big portion of OCR. What, what are your thoughts for, for them? Um, so to increase their mileage, um, I would say just, you know, gradually increase it. Definitely don't go out there, you know, trying to run like six miles, like back-to-back days. I would, you know, depending on their fit, if they're a CrossFitter or they're someone that's got a little bit of fitness background, they could probably, you know, easily go out and do, you know, a couple miles, two or three miles. And I would say you kind of just, depending on what, you're comfortable with you know just start out a little slower on your mileage for the week maybe you know 10 is all you can get in and just make sure you take your rest days in between if you're doing like a longer run which to Evan you know like their long run would be you know like a warm-up but to them (laughs) would be like half of his warm-up maybe but like their three mile you know run that they do is going to take a lot more out of their body than they may think so just make sure to get that rest in between and kind of gradually go up um, on your mileage and definitely get in at least a speed day too because with shorter distances to get your heart rate a little higher and get used to a little faster pace of you know the 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 mid-distance OCRs now that's kind of what I would suggest for them to start out with. I like that. Cause I think a lot of times we look at other athletes in the sport and you're like, Oh, I should be doing what that person is doing. But like, I think it's key to start building that base from where you're at and, and going up. Um, you know, I think of someone like Ashley samples on our team who she's putting in hundred miles a, a month. Um, and you know, that's a goal for her. And sometimes I'm like, man, I'm not even close to that. <laughs> but It's just a different style of training. Right. And so, if I go out and try to do that right, could potentially injure myself. If I try to do it, you know, someone who's coming in right away and is trying to do that kind of mileage, it's not necessarily the right thing that they need in that moment. So I think each person should kind of take a look at what, uh, where they're at and, and where they want to be and build that over, over time. Yeah, it's very true. Everyone's at a different point in their journey. And I think the other part is everyone has different goals, you know, like my stuff's all endurance focused. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'll do maybe – I used to do two speed workouts a week, like one lactic threshold, one VO2 max. Mm-hmm. The number of races I do that are just endurance, it's just, it was just tiring me out. And I was like, all right. So I typically do, I'll do like one speed workout a week, maybe sometimes none. Uh, just cause I mean, if you look at my race calendar, you know, out of the, like, it's like 90% endurance thing. So like, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah. It, it'll be it'll be a good workout but a lot of times then i have trouble running the next day or running well the next day so so ashton i'm curious too as to what like not necessarily looking at what the ocr landscape looks like right now but if you could kind of build out your ideal race um you know we, we've raced and trained at different uh distances and stuff um everything from savage blitzes to 15ks at world championship um, what's that ideal spot for you and where would you like to see the sport go? For me, um, definitely, I mean, for me, I like the shorter stuff. 
you know what I would like to see is like I would love to see like an 800 meter obstacle course race like that would be amazing um that would be you know just like just for like a speed like a speed course like you know like but for me right now where my sweet spot is it's between the three to five mile range okay so like that's my that's my sweet spot i can remember one savage i ran and i think james and ken were there and like the like the last mile just like that's where i died because like <laughs> that was it like that's that was all i had so for me the the world's championship world ocrs that have the 3k like i like that idea the 5k races and then like conquer the gauntlet is the four mile like that's like pretty much my sweet spot. Like that's what I like. Um, and as far as obstacles go, I definitely like harder obstacles that actually make you work. That you know, even elites can go into. Not even sure, you know, with the question like, if I'm not focused, like that can you know that can take me out, and I'll have to retry it and take a lot out of me. So. Um, I like the races with the harder obstacles for sure, like Pegatron, Stairway to Heaven. Um, Savage has some good ones. Some of the rigs are really nice. Yeah, I think that's missing in the sport now. I think ever since Battle Frog kind of went under, and um, I mean, for us, we, we really focus on CTG, but I think CTG is probably still the only one that people show up to, and the top elites are still worried about how challenging it's going to be. I feel like Savage has got some really good ones, but. I don't feel like I've ever gone to a savage and, you know, feared for my band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the fear is not there at savage. So they have good yeah. obstacles, but they're definitely not, I don't think they're hard enough to, to, to actually scare, scare you. So I, I feel like that feeling is kind of gone. And I don't know, this might be a good question for you, Evan. Um, course maps. I remember, and maybe it's because I went to a lot of local Florida races and, and Ashton, you might be able to talk about this too, because you, you've done a lot of local Florida ones, but I remember showing up and not knowing what obstacles were going to be there. What do you guys think about like the, the course maps versus just like showing up and turning a corner and there's a rig or it's uh, CTG kind of throws in the mystery obstacles as well, but you can always kind of guess what's going to be there based on like, if you don't see Pegatron on the map, then obviously Pegatron's a mystery obstacle, but right. what are you guys' thoughts on, on that um, kind of knowing what to expect versus just like the surprise of what obstacles could be? Uh, I'm fairly neutral about it. I don't really have a preference either way. I know sometimes people online are like, well, why don't they have the course map up yet? And it's like, Guys, sometimes the course is still being built while you're complaining about the lack of course map. Yes. That might be that might be a reason you don't have a course map because the obstacles <laughs> aren't in yet. And I think some people are like, oh well, that's you know uh, a professional sport. Well, you know they wouldn't they wouldn't have a you know mystery obstacle. They wouldn't have a mystery map or stuff like that. Yeah, I, I see that point, but then at the same time, like our sport is, and I've used this comparison on the podcast before, right? Like. Our sport's a little more like strongman than it is like powerlifting, right? Like powerlifting, everything's very standardized. You know, it's the same bar, same weight, same exact thing over and over again. Strongman, it's like, here is just like, it's just, you know, nothing's standardized. The Atlas Stones aren't standardized. They're different weights. They're different. You're putting them over different heights. There's different obstacles. There's different events. So, and I kind of like that large variability because I think it keeps the sport interesting and keeps the top of the so you, you don't show up to a race and you're like well here's who's gonna win you know one two three 
and mm-hmm. you know, because every because everyone's done all these obstacles, everyone knows exactly what's coming and blah 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 blah. So um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, fairly neutral on it. I think it's I think yeah. it's just it's just another obstacle in my opinion. Yeah, so I I I kind of agree with Evan here. I'm pretty neutral on it. To me, it really. It, it doesn't affect me personally because usually I won't even look at the course map. Um, <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I kind of like just going in, like going into race and like, I like the surprise of like running into the next obstacle and then having to like, just like think and just get it, you know, like in that split second, just like, Oh, this is what's like, you just show up and you're like, all right, just got to do it and got to attack it. And, Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of personally like that, like not even knowing, um, probably 90% of the time, any of the races that I run, I won't look at the course map. Um, I am learning now that I missed the CTG in Tulsa cause I was an hour late to look at the race times. Oh, <laughs> that least, is true. <laughs> at least look, know, know the correct time of the elite waves. Um, <laughs> but CTG's elite wave sometimes <laughs> changes time based on location and number of participants yeah. so um, so yeah so you learned so, something new <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a good that, i remember i remember being at the start line being like where the f is ashton and like, <laughs> yeah I saw, I saw you later on continuum and i was like what where were you you're like oh i missed the start time i was like mother come on yeah so but yeah to me um i think you would have I mean, that, that would have been a good race too because that had some that had a hard rig in it so. Yeah, that, yeah, no, it was a muddy, wet course too, so it, it would have been a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I see where some people they, they like to plan out, you know, like what the race strategy or use it to plan the race strategy. But yeah, as far as my take on them, it's it's um kind of neutral. It's like it, it it doesn't matter to me. So, Jay, you have strong preference or opinion. So uh, it's funny because I'm super analytical about the course maps now, <laughs> um, but I do miss like the, the, again, the idea of turning the corner and just not knowing what to expect. Um, I feel like races kind of need to have a way to show which key obstacles are coming, you know, so people know in general what to expect. And I think even for the open wave, so they know like what kind of race it is. Um, so maybe just listing which obstacles are going to be there, but not the order or something. I don't just, just different yeah. ways to get creative with how it can be because it can go in either way. Cause I remember I used to be like Ashton too, and I wouldn't want to look at it. And then I made like a bad strategy call, I guess I'd say in, uh, at a race. And I, I think if I would have known what was coming next, I would have attacked it a little differently and potentially placed differently. But at the same time, sometimes you just got to go for it. You just got to send it, right? So yeah, um, I, I agree with you guys. I think there's a good mix, but um, it, it can make it more interesting and, and feel more of like, I, I like using OCR as an analogy for life too. And you don't, you, you know, you never know what's going to be the next thing thrown at you. So it's kind of cool for the, for the sport aspect of that too. All right, so let's jump back to Ashton. You did your first Conquer the Gauntlet in, was that back in 2014? Yeah, I think it was 2014. Did you just show up to the open wave or did you end up running Elite back then? Um, no, I, I think it, I ran Elite. I registered and ran Elite. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I thought it was going to be like a, a, a mud run, like <laughs> like one of those 5K you know, mud runs for fun type yep. of deal. 
Um, I didn't do any really research about it. I just kind of found it and I was like, oh, this looks cool. And I saw like, I saw a couple other obstacles on their website and I was like, oh, that looks fun. I had no idea what, you know, what, it, what, it, what I was really getting myself into with the, how tough their obstacles were. So how'd that first one go for you? Uh, not good. So I couldn't do <laughs> I, I, Well, it was going good until I ran into Pegatron. <laughs> I feel like that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. So it's just such a tough obstacle. And if you've never, you know, at, at that point, I had never done any even ninja type training at all. So, so this was, this was the Tulsa venue, you said? This was the Tulsa venue, yep. Okay. So that must have been 2015 then. That was the, when they, 15. Yeah. That was when they first debuted Pegatron. Okay. And, yeah. There was no warning. And like the only person to get across, I think it was like Bryce for a long time. I think a couple <laughs> other people got across eventually, but yeah. it was. I remember it because I, I was overseas in Lebanon at the time, and I remember them showing it and being like, "Whoa, that would have destroyed me." So, I built a pegboard after seeing. I remember it after those <laughs> pictures. Awesome. Pictures Smart went up. Group. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that was my first race, and that was. I mean, it was tough. Um, it was one of the toughest things I had done, and that's when I was just like, "Oh man, this is super fun!" And that's what kind of got me excited about it, and I was started. I didn't really start training for it. I was just excited and um, I kind of had a lot going on that year. I ended up moving to Florida and all this stuff. And then once I got situated in Florida closer to 2016-ish, then I started finding, you know, like ninja gyms and I started running more and started kind of training for it more specifically. Nice. I think it's awesome that you said, like, even though Pegatron – beat you that time that you had fun and continued on so i feel like there's a good amount of people that um stay away from conquer the gauntlet because of that so what would you say to someone who's who looks at the website and sees oh wow like this this obstacle looks too hard or that one i know i can't do like what would you do to encourage them to to still try out a ctg it's, it's super fun i mean it's there's something about something that's that challenges you i think that makes it even more exciting and makes you want to, you know, continue to do it. Um, there's so many people I meet at CTGs that show up and they're like, oh, yeah, like they're so excited to, to get another shot at those hard obstacles, you know, because it's not something that you can just go out there and just like, you know, walk through and, and take it easy and, and do. It's, it's something that's, you know, actually challenging and, and yet fun and exciting at the same time. It was such a, a great community around the CTG family and everyone. So um, there's always people, you know, they're offering tips and like, you know, like, come on, you got this and encouragement. So um, I would, that's, that's what I would tell them is, is give it a shot. And I'm pretty sure they're going to end up loving it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like you also mentioned the family feel and the community of CTG because it's one of the few races where you can get big, awesome obstacles, like challenging obstacles, but still have that same family community feel. Um, yeah. And in, in general, like the OCR community is pretty good about that, but I think CTG almost has like that next level of community. And not only that, but for for beginners, the the price point I think is unmatchable for the for the for the courses and the oh, 100%. the obstacles that you get. I mean, there's not a race out there that can top ctg 
Absolutely. Yeah, especially if you sign up early or you know, exactly. get a discount, right? Like, I mean, it's the other ones don't even compare. It's, exactly. It's yeah. Ones. Honestly, the hardest part is getting getting to the venues because they're all Midwest based. So, either fly out or take a long drive to get there. So, but you know, you can find you you keep an eye on the uh, locations and you can find cheap flights occasionally. So. Yeah, definitely. And Dallas is one where most people can get to for pretty cheap if you're flying. Although um, Dallas is not going on this year. Yeah, unfortunately. Freaking yeah. coronavirus, man. <laughs> yeah. So Dallas is gone. The first one should be, as of now, OKC. Hopefully that's still that one's still a go. We will see. We will see as the as the weeks yeah. tick by and these fingers crossed. Things continue to develop. All right. Now you mentioned, or I mentioned rather, in your bio. You know, 2018, you had 10 races, 10 podiums. You know, give us some tips on how you were able to perform so consistently in so many races in a relatively short period of time, right? Were you, um, were you taking A races and B races, or were you just, that's just where the fitness level you brought at, you cluster all your races in once, you spread them out throughout the year, kind of give us a little more details on that. All right, so I actually don't remember like how they were clustered in 2018 at all <laughs> i kind of have uh short term and my my long-term memory is not that great <laughs> a couple years back um but for me i think that year i i had a good year with i was i had a good training schedule down and i was able to stick to it and i was able to keep my recovery days to where i needed or add more if I felt like I was getting a little worn down from a couple back-to-back races. Nice. And what what brands were the, were those in? Um, I think there were some CTGs, some Savages, um, and a couple other in there. Nice. Um, I think that was the year was Worlds too. So. So I, I feel like I may remember Ashton's season a little better than Ashton does. <laughs> um, mainly because I, you know, I was really, one, we trained together, but also I, uh, I knew he'd be a great addition to the CTG pro team because of his success, but also just because of the, the type of person he is. And I know you, you, you freaking killed those, that savage season, um, several podiums. I think the only people you lost to are probably Yuri, Ken, and James. I don't think you raced Ryan Woods, did you? Um, no. Either way, the only people that you lost to are pretty much Savage Legends. I remember that blitz that we ran together, and I just kept thinking, man, if I can get him on the obstacles, that's usually my thought process. I'll get everyone on the obstacles. <laughs> Ashton is just as good at the obstacles as he is a runner. So there was no catching him uh, there, but that was a cool double podium for us uh, at the Savage Blitz. And so I, I think there's going to be, once everything gets back to normal, a really good season for you again this year too, man. So I'm excited for that. Thanks, man. Yeah. I know you, you said you guys train together. Talk a little bit about that and where you, your training location is. All right. So, we, we, well, Jay travels so much that we, we try to train together as much as we can when he's in Miami. But um, right now we're doing – Usually Mondays are ninja focus training, and we're going to this. Uh, it's called the Ninja Lounge down here in Miami, and they have a really pretty good setup. American Ninja Warrior type like trusses and obstacles. So 
we're doing training there on Mondays for Ninja, and then we'll usually get together before we train Ninja and go for like go for a run, or we'll hit up some trails at some of the some of the trails we have around here for trail runs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's been a little rough lately because uh, Ashton had a, an ankle injury and I've had a little bit of knee problems. But usually, um, and we're still sticking to the to the Mondays and, and sometimes Wednesdays is too with with ninja training. But try to get like two good obstacle focused days a week. Easy runs in, and uh, we haven't been to the track in a bit. But we usually had a track day every week um, prior to me leaving for the show. So we got to get back to that when we're both feeling a hundred percent just getting a good speed day, some trails with maybe a little more distance and then definitely the traditional easy runs and some obstacle days. Um, I think it's been a good mix for, for both of us to be able to compete and really level both on the running side and on the harder obstacle side. Yeah. That works out well with the two, two of you being so close to each other, having a good training person right there. That's all. That's awesome. Sandy, I think it really helps us push each other and keep each other accountable too. Um, so if you've got anyone in the area that you can connect with that is um, excited about, it, even if they're not necessarily, even if they're at a different training level, just for the accountability portion of it. And, you know, some days I might be feeling down and then Ashton just texts me like, Hey, you want to go run today or you want to go to the gym? And the day that I probably would have skipped something, yeah. <laughs> I now have someone that's helping me drag along right and so that that definitely helps a lot so ashton you mentioned or jay mentioned that you had an injury i think it was towards the end of last year yeah, talk a little bit about that and you know, all right how you've been dealing yeah. with it. i had some i had tenosynovitis and two of my tendons in my right ankle um so that hit me pretty hard i was trying i was trying to i wanted to finish out my season so i wasn't i just wasn't being smart about it um I should have just took off and rested, did my recovery. Um, I, w- I went through I went through a phase where I was kind of just like, oh, it's not too bad. And I would run, I'd get in my workouts, and then it would be super swollen and inflamed. And I would have to take a couple days off, and then I would get back to running for a day, take a day off. I was in this 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 really bad cycle of trying to just make it through the end of my season. So I finally got to the point where I had to go to the doctor because it just hurt to stand on and, and walk on. I went, um, and that's when they, they did MRI, found out I had tenosynovitis and two tendons, and they, they're both on one's the posterior tibialis, so it's on the inside of my right ankle. And the other one was, I think, the flexor digitorum longus. So both of them were on the runs along the inside of your um, ankle there. and. I was off it for five weeks and I thought, you know, I'd be good to go. And I ran a Spartan in Mulberry, which was the worst race I could have picked to to come back off, like not running at all for five weeks. Um, The terrain was horrible. A handful of people ended up with sprained ankles (laughs) and getting injured. So I ran that, got fourth. And then after that, I knew immediately, like I had, I knew like I made it worse. So then I started rehab, rehabbing it, and just got back to where me and Jay are able to, you know, jog, go for go for a slow slow jog. So um, I'm up to two miles now, being able to, you know, pain free. Yeah, which is nice because I mean, this has been for this has been since I mean, 
I heard it in November, and that's when I was going through that phase. And then since December, I, I've been having to stay off of it completely. I had to get put in a boot. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like injuries, it's always, it's always easy to look back on yourself and critique in hindsight. But in the moment, I think what makes you a good athlete is also your ability to like ignore pain and ignore minor aches and pains and stuff like that. So it's something hard to judge when you're in the moment, but, you know, kind of looking back on your situation, obviously hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Uh, do you have any tips for someone else who may be experiencing a similar, uh, you know, lower limb pain? Lower limb pain for sure. Um, yeah. First I would say is that, you know, you know, your body, more than anyone else does so when it happened to me I I knew that you know I think I knew that I was I was hurt and I should have took the time off but I just I I didn't want to so um listen to your body if I would I really think if I would just took two weeks off and and recovered and you know started therapy exercises and I would have been good to go but that's when you continually keep pushing your body and you know something's wrong, so you might have a small ache, and you're like, okay, it's not too bad. So the next day you go out for a two mile, and you're good. You know, the next day you do the same thing, and it's good. And you, and that might be it. You might get better, but if you have that small pain and it's not getting better, it's getting worse, then you should definitely stop, take the time to, you know, recover and and rehab, and it'll pay off because instead of being out for longer or having serious injury. Cool thing about our sport is that there's so much you need to work on, which sometimes is very challenging. But if you're having pain in a certain area, then maybe you take a few days off from running and really focus on your grip strength or um, strength obstacles and, and stuff that may not be impacting that zone that's bothering you. And um, that's one thing that's helped me a lot is just understanding that even though I'm not running today, I can still be getting better in this sport. Um, took a while to try to understand that. But that's really what helped me get really good at obstacles is I had a really bad knee injury several years ago. And I couldn't run at all for like a month and a half, I think. And so I just went bouldering and rock climbing a lot. And that's how I really got my grip strength up. And, and this helped long term more than if I wouldn't have had that injury. Yeah, absolutely. And even if everything is shot i mean you can still pretty much work on balance for all you know like i mean your your injury has to be really bad not to be able to work on balance or or upper body right like if you're if whatever part of your body is hurting you know you can find you can find something so definitely good advice there jay even flexibility that's one thing i've realized um people that are really good downhill runners and um just certain obstacles flexibility really really helps too. And I'm assuming with running form too, I'm not an expert on running form, but in general, I think being more flexible is going to help you too. So even if you're just stretching or doing some yoga, um, just, I think the key is just keep, keep active, like just active, yeah. give your time, give yourself that zone, that part that's hurting, give it the rest it needs, but just find other ways to keep active. And it'll also help with like that mental struggle of like, Oh, I've got a race coming up and I want to be like at the top level you can still make small progress without re-aggravating the injury. If you want some good information from recovery modalities and stuff like that, we had Dr. Kirk Iodice on the podcast a couple episodes ago talking about just recovery in general. He's a chiropractor that uh, does some 
IASTM and adjustments and e-stim and dry needling and myofascial release therapy, all these cool scientific sounding stuff that help you recover faster and perform better. And we're bringing him back on the podcast. I'm not sure if this will be released before or after, but we did a Q&A with him where we talked about some specific injuries. So very good resource. Um, and on the last time we had him on the podcast, he was like, yeah, if you ever have any questions, you know, shoot me a message and I'll either answer it for you or help you get to the right place to answer it because he's based out of Kansas City. Ashton, what do you got planned for 2020 season? Let's assume that all races are back on starting in June. Starting in June, I will be at uh, CTG OKC. That'll be my first one. Let's test out the ankle. I'm going to do CTG Tulsa as well later on. And then I'll probably try to fit in a Savage and then Worlds. Going to be heading up to Worlds. Nice. You run an age group for Worlds or? No, uh... so I'll be running pro. What What happened in 2018 was actually towards the end of my season, I started having knee issues. And my training wasn't where I wanted it to be. And so I kind of went into that 2018 world's conservative and not really training that much. And that's why I did age group that year. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. Cause um, this year I, I had already registered for pro. Um, so I'll be there doing the three K and then probably the team event. Nice. Jay, what do you got? Uh, so CTG and Savage, a bunch of them. I don't really know which ones yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, OKC is challenging because it's right around my fiance's birthday. So that one's usually, or that weekend is usually a no-go. It's a great great birthday present. The (laughs) significant other loves that. My (laughs) Guess where I took my wife for her birthday for several years in a row? Las Vegas. World stuff is modern. World stuff every weekend. She's like, "Why? Why is it always on my birthday?" I was like, "I don't, I don't know." Happy You're birthday. the worst. <laughs> and the, the first wow. year, the, the first year, it was her birthday, and she was um, six months or five months pregnant. So it was a double oh, whammy. Man. It was a double whammy. <laughs> wow. So yeah, so it depends though, because we might go somewhere the weekend after her birthday, because her weekend's like the, her birthday's in the middle of the week this year. So I might oh, nice. make it to OKC. I think Little Rock is my birthday weekend, so I, but overall, it's still kind of in, in flux for, for the season. I had like four Savage races that I was going to go to that all got canceled in the beginning of the season, a couple of ninja competitions, but really hoping this passes through, get to a bunch of Savages and CTGs. That's what I can tell you is those two race series are going to be my focus. Um, maybe a, a local Florida race uh, just to support local races, but the, the focus is going to be CTG savage and then world championships for sure i'll be there running pro um 3k team and hopefully that the short course if they do that again uh, i don't know if it's like 100 or 400 meters i couldn't go to worlds last year since i was on the show um and i want to get out to something in in europe uh, i've been following uh, my buddy leon from denmark he's done really well at world championships and he's been doing some really cool short races with really good um upper body obstacles out there in like poland and denmark and stuff so i'm gonna see if i can get out to one of those nice i was actually thinking of going over for meltdown the 24-hour race in 
London at the where like the World Championships, OCR World Championships was held oh, nice. this year. But well, this was before the the virus outbreak, and the flights there were so expensive. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm also I'm also taking a trip, a family trip to another part of Europe afterwards. Okay. And it, it was cheaper for me to fly to London, race for the weekend, fly back to Kansas City, get on a plane, fly to Greece, spend the time there, and then fly back. Then it was. For, I figured like, oh well, it's just like you know, it's like I'm I'm paying the cost of the international, the jumping over the Atlantic. Um, so it should be cheaper once you get over there. And it was, I don't know, the flight route I had was not, it was, uh, so I crossed that one off my list. Okay. <laughs> well, I think now, <laughs> not for a good reason, but you yeah. can find good deals for like later in the year. Um, so take a look at it again, potentially, uh, obviously don't book anything for April, May or June even, but if you're looking at something in September or August, um, you might be able to find a good deal. Yeah, it's late June. Yeah, I don't. It's just it's just too much. I mean, I would have to fly. I, it would just be ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> it's just too much. It's just it's just it gets super complicated, especially with endurance, the twenty four hour ones. Because I bring a bag that's just for endurance, right? Like yeah. So when we when we did the Australia race enduro. I had a bag that was just race kit, and then another duffel bag that was more race kit, including like a tent, and then I had a backpack for two weeks of clothing. I just stuffed all my like normal clothing in the in in there, and I was like, "Yeah, I need all the race stuff as priority." So exactly. All right, we're gonna wrap things up. Say one thing people would be surprised to know about you. We're gonna start off with Ashton. Um, One thing that people would be surprised to know about me is that I think they'd be surprised to know that like I'm super super into like anything extreme, like any type of extreme sport, like. There's not a sport I think that I haven't played or tried to play. Define extreme. Give me a couple of. Um, so extreme to me is would be snowboarding like down the backside of a mountain where you had to like climb. You like take a ski lift to get there and then you have to like climb further and then you strap in and you're going down the back side of these mountains where like there's n- no one's even been there before oh cool all right that's a good one and then what's your day job that's i feel like that some people some people don't probably don't know uh, that either okay so yeah uh i'm a nurse so right now um i'm a, I'm a nurse that's my day job i work per diem so it's kind of nice because i gotta make my own schedule um, and I'm right now I'm in school too. So um, getting my doctorates as a nurse practitioner. So I have about a, a year and a half left. Nice. So they've running you into the ground now with all this uh, coronavirus stuff that's going on. Yeah. Well, they're trying. So I'm per diem. So I, 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 it's, I send, I send my hours and when I, when I'm available. So yeah, I mean, they're trying, there's a lot of us out there that are, I've actually taken off for this week but yeah next week we're going to be back at it hard all right well i'm sure the the nation appreciates the work you're doing so thank you on behalf of everyone sure sure thanks let's jump over to jay uh some something people would be surprised to know about you yeah so um especially those that don't speak spanish and didn't watch the didn't get to watch the show during the show you're you're away there's no communication 
um, I didn't get to talk to my to my girlfriend for in the first month and a half that I was there, we only had a five minutes video call. That's the only interaction I had with her for a month and a half. Uh, but our team won this amazing challenge where we were able to bring in a family member. They didn't tell us who was going to come, but we had given them a list at the beginning of the season of like five people that we would you know, want to be able to communicate with if we want a video call or that we'd want uh, to be able to interact with in some way. And so my girlfriend came and I ended up proposing on the show. Um, so on national television, I was super nervous. Um, not because I didn't think she would say yes or anything. We've been together for a really long time. Just, I guess, the cameras and everything in the moment. And actually, I put the ring on her finger before she technically said yes. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Didn't give her a choice. <laughs> and I looked back, she told me, and I was like, what? And I looked back and I was like, as I'm putting it on, she said, you know, she's saying it yes after I'd already started. Um, but it was a cool moment. We got really cool pictures and video, obviously. It, it was awesome. Kind of crazy. That is a good story. However, Jay, you told that story last time you were on the podcast. When we No, did I for real? <laughs> so that's, that, is, so that does not count. I'll, I will tell a story and then you can come back with something else. Cause All right. <laughs> giving you a, you're the only person who's been uh, – that's a negative mark on your – <laughs> something that people don't know all right so i'll go with so you mentioned you were on a spanish-speaking tv show i can't remember if i used this one i really should keep a list but for my job uh they taught me persian farsi which is what they speak in iran so i can speak persian farsi at a pretty mediocre to poor level <laughs> i mean i can get by <laughs> right? like i can i can read the script like arabic script i can write an arabic script um obviously it's a different language uh Persian's different than. Uh, can you can you tell us a little something? Esmaan Evanast, Manakle, New York, Astam, Mandar, Shahar, Kansas City, Zendigi, Mikunam. So I'm, my name's Evan. I'm from. I don't know what I said. I'm from New York, and I <laughs> Kansas City. So yeah, I, I can I can order a restaurant. I don't know what food. you said either, but I, was <laughs> I heard New York and Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's and awesome. then I didn't notice you say Evan though. I, it's, it kind of flowed with what you were saying before that. Yeah. And then when I, when I used to deploy, um, so my first two deployments were 12 month and a 14 and the is before Skype really. And we didn't have, you know, smartphones and we had computers, but a lot of times you had to go to like the call center to call home. So I actually used to only call my wife or back to my family like once every probably two to three weeks, which, People are like, oh, that's awful. It's like, well, I don't know. It's it was one of those things where I used to tell them just no news is good news. And so if you don't hear from me, everything's going good. And I found that if I called more often, one, I would miss home more. And mm -hmm. which I feel like if I when I miss home too much, it prevents me from doing my job as well. Because I think to be a good soldier, you have to be willing to sacrifice everything. And if you're thinking about my if I'm thinking about my family while I'm doing missions, that's not where I want my headspace at and you know, right. maybe, maybe some of the people would disagree or have their own way of coping with that. But uh, that's my, my way. And yeah, so I didn't call very often. So I was not very good. And then the other problem is if you call all the time and then you miss a night, then all of a sudden your family goes into panic. Cause like, why didn't you call last night? So yeah, I did not call very often. So I'm also, I don't really like talking on the phone too much because when you're deployed, you don't really have much to talk about. Cause it's like, well, then I went on a bunch of missions and, can't really talk about them. Not that they're like super secret, but it's just, you just, 
um, it's kind of inappropriate to talk about them. And some of the stuff you're, again, you shouldn't share because of it reveals capabilities and stuff like that. So didn't have much to talk about besides watching bootleg movies for several years. <laughs> I've watched a lot of, so, all right. I ran my mouth for a while, so I, that should give Jay some time to come up with a new one. Yeah, well, first, appreciate that sacrifice you made for, for all of us and that you continue to make. So this one just recently accomplished, I guess. So as of uh, a couple of weeks ago when I went to Brazil for a robotics event, um, I've now exercised, like gone for a run or, or something on every continent except for Antarctica. Oh, nice. Uh, and I've raced in, uh, obviously, North America, Europe, and Africa. So I've still got a race in Asia and South America, but um, nice. We need to get you to there. Technically the Middle East is Asia, Southwest Asia. So we need to get you to a Hannibal race. And then For sure. technically that checks that off the list. So yeah, that counts. So actually I went to Thailand and there was a Spartan race there, but obviously I didn't know before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be down to head out to, to Hannibal race. Yeah. I was planning on going to Malaysia had a 24 hour race once called Viper two, four, but they only held it one year. It was in 2015. Uh, Jung Young pack went over there and not surprisingly won. the race got interrupted midway through the race due to like a typhoon or something, something insane. So they had to do like, there was like a several hour lockdown in the middle of their race, but um, not, yeah, not surprisingly he destroyed, destroyed. Do we have a, do we have a second for a quick story on that? Yeah. So I was at Savage and, Central Texas, I think it was last year because it was before I left for the show. And um, there was weather coming in, and I had gone out for a warm-up, and I was, like, about a half mile out, and this huge, like, thunder, lightning bolt, whatever, comes in. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, I should probably head back. And I head back, and the entire festival area is empty. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? Where did everybody go? And so I guess they had sent everyone out to their cars, but I, I didn't hear that because I was too far out on my warm up. And it's just like the world had ended and like everyone got struck by lightning and disintegrated. <laughs> I was the only survivor um, until I eventually I saw someone out by the vehicles. <laughs> but it was pretty crazy. That's pretty funny. All right, let's give final shout outs to friends, family sponsors. Ashton first. Shout out to all our sponsors that are sponsoring us at CTG, Rock Tape, um, Atomic, Rapid Reboot, all those guys. Um, To my family for supporting me, my daughter. My dad helps me a lot. Um, My teammates, those are my big ones. Right on. Jay, what do you got? Uh, shout out to, not, again, not just because they were the featured sponsor for today, but Rapid Reboot's been really helping me a lot. I love it. Um, one of the, the coolest sponsor gifts I think we've, we've gotten. Um, also, shout out to all the athletes out in Puerto Rico. Um, I know a lot of you guys have, through me, have seen what happened with the hurricane, but there's also been a lot of earthquakes recently. And um, coronavirus, the island is completely on lockdown. Um, so just the resilience of a lot of those athletes is really inspiring. So hopefully we'll see a lot of them at world championship despite, um, the challenges. So shout out to all of them. And, and of course, to my family that, um, supports me on this journey as well. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Make sure you're checking uh, Mud Run Guide. I got a bunch of new articles coming out there. I also have some stuff that should be coming out later this year on the Adventury OCR World Championships website, some of the articles I wrote for them. And then, as always, the our online store, teamstrengthspeed.com, has books and bleg mitts, both light and extreme, and hard copies of all our books, and now links to digital copies, and then also a links to um, the Audible of Ultra OCR Man, my biography book. So if you're going to pick up any of the digital copies, please go to my website first and click through my website because I get like a small kickback um, because it is, you do not get a lot of, you do not get a lot of kickback in, even when you sell books on a lot of the websites, there's a high printing cost. And then even for the digital, Amazon likes to take a nice, nice chunk of that change. So feel free to click through my website. I appreciate I would appreciate it. And if you're not big on reading or you're not going to, or you've already bought one and you want to do something to help out the podcast, you can head over to amazon.com and preferably leave a five-star review on one of my books. That would be much appreciated. So, all right. I think that's it. Uh, good hanging out with you guys and stay safe and wash your hands and hopefully we will see each other back in the normal continuation of OCR season later. In for sure. Thanks for having me on, man. Yep. Get, get some good training. Thank you soon, guys. Right. Have a good one.